Welcome to Star Wars and TN. Now hit the intro. What well you have? You are now tuned in to a Star Wars show, so just sit back and ready to flow. Clear your mind of what you know, and let the force be the course of where we go. As we take this journey far, far away, now let's hear what John Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would be joining us. What's going down, far, far away, family? How's everyone doing on this dreadful Monday? I hope everything is going great on your side of the galaxy. Something new and excited happened this Saturday out here on Now the Rim. Lightsaber Radio had creature, actor, and puppeteer details on their show. You might remember him as the first live-action Pike. He played Quay Talisite, the Pike leader on Kessel and Solo. And he was L1 in Rogue One. Plus, he's done a whole bunch of other Star Wars stuff in his career. His insight on what goes on behind the scene was amazing. Then his outlook on Star Wars as a whole was jaw-dropped and had you sitting there thinking, why didn't I ever think of that? It was a really compelling conversation, and I highly recommend you go and check out that episode. Okay, what else do we got? Oh, John Williams turned 90 years old last week, and he was in L.A. recording something for Star Wars. I don't know what, but he was there recording something. Some people say this has to do with Kenobi, but I'm like, Kenobi should already be done, so I don't know what he's doing. But he has been doing this for 40-plus-something years. I don't know about everyone else, but I think he's done enough for Star Wars. At 90, I think it's time for him to retire. He's been at it for over 40 years. I'm just saying, you must really love what you do to be doing it as long as he has. And for his hearing to still be good, because you know you got to have good hearing if you're composing music, he was truly blessed by the Force. Okay, what else do we got? I think that's everything that happened last week. So it is time to get back to the story. Because when we left off last Friday, Bane had just sent Xana off the dome, and he was preparing to go retrieve Anderu's holocron. So let's see what's going on now. Seutric 4's twin moons shone brightly down on Xana's airspeeder as it zipped through the night sky. The evening's rain clouds were just beginning to build. There were still no more than wispy veils that simply tore apart as her vehicle ripped through them. On the ground below, still a few kilometers ahead, she could see the lights of Diplona's primary spaceport. A light on the nav panel blinked a warning, indicating she was approaching the two-kilometer limit of restricted airspace that surrounded the port. Her hands moving with casual precision over the controls, she brought the speeder in for a landing at the section reserved for those wealthy enough to afford private hangars for their personal shuttles. As the vehicle gently touched down on the pad located on the starport's perimeter, three men scurried out to meet her. The first, a valet, tended to her speeder, whisking it away toward the secure lot where it would be parked until she returned. The second man, a porter, loaded her luggage onto a small hover sled then waited patiently as the third man approached. Good evening, Mr. Somek. He greeted her. From their first arrival on Seutric, Xana and Bane had worked hard to build up their identities as Alia and Sep Omek. After nearly a decade, she was able to slip into the role of the wealthy import-export trader without even thinking about it. Chet, she said, with a nod to the customs official as the young man handed her an official-looking form. For the common masses, arrivals and departures at the Diplona spaceport were a long and arduous process. Because the world was built on commerce and trade, the government required copies of trip itineraries, verification of ship registration, and a host of forms and permits to be filled out before the Port Authority would clear a vessel, its contents, or its passengers. This frequently involved a thorough inspection of the ship's interior by customs personnel with the official explanation being increased planetary security. However, everyone knew inspections were actually meant to discourage merchants from trying to transport undeclared merchandise in the hope of avoiding interstellar taxes and tariffs. Fortunately, Xana didn't have to worry about any of that. 
she simply signed the departure form and handed it back to Chet. One of the chief benefits of maintaining a private hangar at the port was the ability to come and go at will. In exchange for their substantial monthly hangar fees, the government kept its nose out of her and Bain's business. A bargain at nearly any price, as far as she was concerned. You'll be taking your private shuttle, I assume? That's right, she replied. The victory over in Hangar 13. I'll alert the control tower. Chet gave a curt nod to the porter, who headed off with the hover sled in the direction of the hangar. Just a moment. The customs official said softly to Zana, causing her to hang back. Heard some news I thought you might be interested in, he continued, once the porter had disappeared around the corner. Argle 10 touched down a few days ago to meet with your brother. Zana had never met Argle, but she knew who he was and what he did. Over the past few years, she had slowly been gathering information on all the members in Darth Bane's network of contacts. They could prove useful to her once she took over the Sith. She didn't know if Argyll's arrival was relevant or not. Bane was always looking to acquire rare Sith manuscripts, and it could just be a coincidence. Nevertheless, she filed the knowledge away in case it should ever prove handy. Thanks for the update, she said, slipping Chet a 50-credit chip before heading off toward her private hangar. The porter was already there, waiting with her bags by the shuttle. Xana punched in the security code, causing the boarding ramp to lower. Put everything in the back, she instructed, smiling and handing the porter a 10-credit chip. Right away, mistress, he replied, the tip disappearing instantly into a pocket somewhere in his uniform as he hustled to load her baggage. Xana kept the smile plastered on her face while he worked. She made a point of being friendly with everyone at the spaceport. She saw it as an investment in the future, the cultivation of a potential resource. The members of the Senate and other powerful individuals might shape galactic policy, but it was the bureaucrats, government officials, and various other low-level political functionaries who actually made things run. And they were so much easier to deal with than the political elite. A few kind words and a handful of small bribes, and Zana could get anything she needed without attracting unwanted attention, just as she had done with Chet. This was one advantage she had over Bane. She knew she was attractive. Men, in particular, were drawn to her because of her looks. They wanted to help her, to please her. Zana wasn't above encouraging them with a soft laugh or a subtle touch. It was a small price to pay to establish a relationship that might eventually prove useful. Her master's appearance, on the other hand, would never inspire anything but fear in those who didn't know him. Only once the porter was gone, and she was alone in the cockpit of the vessel, did she let the facade drop. Settling into the custom-molded seat, she punched in the navigation coordinates. Through the cockpit viewport, she could see the Triumph, Bane's personal shuttle, in the adjacent hangar. Like her own, it was a Cygnus Spaceworks Theta-class T-1 vessel, the latest and most expensive personal interplanetary transport shuttle available on the open market. Everything about their life here in Ciutric, the mansion, their clothes, even their social calendar, was a part of their disguise. So we start right where we left off on Friday. Zana preparing to leave for dawn. She is headed to the spaceport on Citrix 4, to a private hangar rented by Bane and herself. This is where it turns kind of dark. Xana shows her true colors. 
Not as a sis, but as an attractive woman. She starts flirting with every guy around and giving out money like it ain't nothing. Xana states that she uses her looks to get what she wants from me. Something that Bane would never be able to do, but I think she enjoys it. She just got that I'm super sexy. But there was one part that I thought was interesting how the customs official tells Anna about Bane's visit and how she said that she had records of Bane's contacts. So when she takes over as master of the Sith, she can continue where her master left off. I think Bane is underestimating his apprentice, but that was about it for this part. Now let's get to the quote for this week. And it comes to us from William Durant. He said, forget your past mistakes, forget your failure, forget about everything except for what you're doing right now and do it. That's a very powerful statement, but so true. People often live by their failures and mistakes, not realizing that that's in the past. You can't do anything about them now. Personally, I have failed so many times I lost count and made more mistakes than most people can fathom. But I didn't give up. I kept making mistakes until one day I was succeeding. Honestly, I don't even know how I got here. I just knew where I wanted to be and I kept working to get there. One failed attempt after another. Then one day I looked up and I was here. But you know what I wasn't looking at? My failures and mistakes. Because they are behind me. They're in the past. I kept working towards the future. And you can do exact same thing. Let me tell you how easy it is to do it. Every minute of every day that you can spare, be working on something. If you find yourself doing anything that doesn't have to do with achieving your goals, then you are wasting valuable time. Okay, that's all I have for this episode. Join us tomorrow for the next part. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Intent. Tune in next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on all major podcast directories. If you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Star Wars in 10 was created by Keen Eye Shed and is distributed by Swaycast Network. This show was produced by Pigfield Media, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Leslie Schneider. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.